There is a pants shortage in Major League Baseball. Teams are using pants from last season because Fanatics and Nike haven't given teams enough pairs of well, pants. Well, from what we've seen, maybe you don't want enough pairs of pants and you wear last year's. The pants are also see-through. Yeah. Um, the executive director of Major League Baseball's Players Association, Tony Clark, told The Athletic, there are teams that have pants and jerseys. There are some teams that don't have pants. There are other teams that are supposed to be receiving certain things before the start of the year. There are others that, in the event they have an issue with the pants and a player needs a new pair, don't have anything in reserve. What a complete disaster. How? How is this happening? How do not people <laughs> don't have pants? Did they not know when spring training started? I don't know what's going on here. Like, Fanatics and Nike legitimately tried to find every possible avenue to save money. Yes. They made the jerseys as cheap as they thought they could make them and nobody would complain. They made People the pants see-through. You can see straight through the pants and they're claiming, ah, oh, it's a breathable technology. Like, get out of here. You can see the jersey through the pants, right? And then they didn't make enough? Like, they just said, ah, everybody will be good with two pairs for the whole season. Like, what are we doing here? You got teams that are like, ah, you got the pants from last year? Get those out because we need those. These I'd be wearing those. I'd wear my jerseys from last year. Probably. Let's get them out there. Yeah. Be no problem. So I don't know. I mean, you got to have pants, but like, I don't know if anything changes. You got crappy jerseys, see-through pants, and not enough pants. What changes between now and then? They can't manufacture a whole new jersey, can they? I don't. Th not on the jersey. I mean, and probably not on the pants yeah. either. They probably made enough. They didn't make enough to fill the order, but they've made enough to where they're not going to change it. Right. So they're, we're just going to have we're going to have guys coming out with dirty pants to start games because they, yeah, I had to wear them yesterday yeah, and exactly we ran out of pants. I'm trying to find the post, but I saw a uh, I saw a post on Twitter yesterday. One of the teams did their photo day, and two of the players had different sleeves on their jerseys. One of them had uh, uh, like I forget what the material is, but it's like crunch uh, like crinkled. Yeah. Um, it expands. And then the other one was just like a, a regular sleeve. <laughs> so they have two different types of sleeves on these jerseys. It's like Little League. Maybe this ends managers wearing baseball uniforms. They just go with the pullovers? Well, because Dave Roberts, because there's going to be a game. It's like Mookie Betts. It's like, I don't have any pants. And Dave <laughs> Roberts is going to be like, well, here, wear mine. Here, wear my pants. And so you're going to have managers that are no longer in uniform because the players <laughs> have to wear them because they ran out of pants. Dave Roberts out there in jeans and yeah, a hoodie. That's what he's going to be in because, ah, Mookie didn't have pants and he needs them. I don't need them. What do you think? The Oklahoma City Thunder beat the Clippers 129-107 to last night. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, 31 points, 8 assists. Chet Holmgren, by the way, 17 points, 10 rebounds. OKC blocked 12 shots last night and hit 48% of their threes. I'm going to give you a hot take, Ed. Uh -oh. The Oklahoma City Thunder are going to the NBA Finals. Okay. I don't know if they're well, going to win because I, I think this is Boston's year, but OKC is going to win the West. They are fourth in defensive rating and fourth in offensive rating. They've been good on both ends of the floor. They're second in the league in effective field goal percentage, so they shoot the ball well. And here's, to me, I think the real key, and we saw it last night. OKC's opponent's field goal percentage at the rim is second best in the league this year. 
it is very hard to score at the rim against OKC. I think the Thunder are good enough on both ends of the floor to go to the NBA Finals, and I think this will be a Shea Gilgis-Alexander type of uh, coronation into NBA stardom in the playoffs this year. Well, it is the West, so four or five teams could win it, and yeah. these guys are ahead of schedule. Yeah. I mean, you were thinking this is going to happen in a year or two, and they're early. Yeah. Um, Shea Gilgis-Alexander is incredible. He, last year, really exploded into being like, oh, wow, he's – one of the best scorers in the league and now is a probably won't win it but is an MVP candidate this season and there's a chance he is for the next five seasons or so because he is one of the better scorers did in you the see NBA. Doc taking credit for it that oh, no, tweet where that tweet where he said he said I told Kawhi oh, when boy. he when uh Shea first came into the uh, league how great a player he was gonna oh, be Jesus yeah and there's a picture of Doc talking to Kawhi oh, man. it was just like dude please stop just what are the stop. Bucks? What are the Bucks Just doing? Why did the Bucks give that no. guy another head coaching <laughs> job? What are they doing? Yeah, great question. Yeah, again, great question. Last night, uh, Luka Doncic had 41. Uh, Nikola Jokic had a triple double against the Wizards, uh, two separate games. But during NBA All Star Weekend, uh, somebody asked Nikola Jokic in Serbian if it was possible that he and Luka Doncic could play together, and Jokic's response was. I don't want to leave Denver. If Luca gets pissed off in Dallas, <laughs> he can come. If Luca's going to ask to be traded, it, or excuse me, do you think Luca at ever, any point would be asked to be traded out of Dallas? Not saying never. Never say never with this stuff like this in terms of who they build around. They've won seven straight games. They're I saw a stat a better. that Dallas defensive rating is number one in the league for like the last right. like month or something like that. Like they've been good on that end before, which is surprising given that Kyrie and Luca are not. You're, Great you're defenders. Not, yeah, you're not like, oh, right. yeah, those guys are going to lock it down for you. So they're good on that end of the floor. So Dallas might be creeping up and might beat somebody in the playoffs as well. Um, Luka and Jokic on the same team would be hilarious, wouldn't yes. it? Yes. That'd be great. Yeah. It'd just be funny. It'd probably be awesome. Yeah. But they'd be funny together on the same team. I'd enjoy that very much. So, But uh, Luka doesn't want to – or excuse me, Jokic doesn't want to leave. He doesn't want to leave Denver. Denver, so he's hoping. Well, that it would Luka mean he'd have to pack off. a bag and get on another plane. That's I mean, true. he doesn't like the, unless he's going home to the horses. I mean, if you if there's a, does he have a direct flight from Denver to wherever he goes to race his horses? I mean, I'd imagine he's private plane, right? Is he just would, to go home? Wouldn't he be? Doesn't make that much money. I don't know if he's a private plane type of guy. I mean, do you not. think do you think he's spending fifty grand round trip to take a private plane back to Serbia? Let's see, probably make thirty. Yeah, like that's a lot, but that's I maybe I'm wrong. I always associate if you're taking a private plane, it's because you're damn near a billionaire. Okay, not somebody who I mean, obviously thirty, forty, fifty million is a lot of money, but I associate that with yeah, I'll buy the first class ticket, not I'll buy the whole damn plane. Yeah, I think he's just on a commercial flight, but gets the best possible seat. Especially since he's seven feet tall. Yeah, that'd be my assumption. But maybe he does. Maybe he does say, all right, let's fly private. Maybe he flies with his horses. <laughs> Got a special aircraft to put his horses and him on. He just has them sitting next yeah, to him. Yeah, sitting next like, to him let's in go. the aisle. I got the horses. They're sitting in uh, row three. I'm in row four right behind the horses. Let's you make bet, it happen. You better make sure they go to the bathroom before you take <laughs> off. <laughs> next question. Pistons forward Isaiah Stewart is not going to face assault charges. So Stewart 
is who hit Drew Eubanks in the, quote, lip area, according to Sham Sharnia, before a Suns-Pistons game. He was charged with a misdemeanor assault. That has been dropped or dismissed, I guess, in Phoenix. Do we still have no details on what happened here? Like, all we know is he punched Drew Eubanks in the face. But we don't have any details on why, right? No. Okay, I haven't seen any stories on this. I mean, I'd like... I'd like to know, did they say why the charges were dropped? No, just that the misdemeanor was dismissed. So Pretty fortunate. Yeah, I don't know if they have. Again, I haven't seen any details on why this happened, what exactly happened other than he hit him in the lip area, whatever that means. Like, I don't know. I don't have a clue. I have not seen any details on why Isaiah Stewart punched Drew Eubanks in the face. Like, what was he mad at? What, what led to it? What did Drew Eubanks say? Yeah, or what did they do? What happened? three months ago when they right. matched up or something like I don't know and I haven't seen any details about right. what the hell happened he punched him in the face and now it's been dismissed so uh, are we ever going to find out what the hell happened between these two I'm assuming one will talk eventually I guess one if Isaiah Stewart walked in here I wouldn't know who he was so right. maybe we never find out they just both have fallen to obscurity and we're like ah yeah he punched a guy in the face one time and nobody ever found out about it Great question. It is February 23rd. We have had a spring training game. Blake Snell and Cody Bellinger have not been signed. It's amazing. This is shocking. Snell won the Cy Young last year, and he's 31. We're not talking about like a 37-year-old. Cody Bellinger, big bounce back year with Chicago. He had an OPS plus of 133. Uh, Jordan Montgomery also hasn't signed. He was a playoff hero for the Texas Rangers on their way to the World Series. All three have Scott Boris as an agent. So that part is probably the least surprising of all. Yeah. I So I think there's two significant parties at fault here. One is the same thing we talk about all the time. MLB owners, for whatever reason, just are terrified to spend money. They just don't want to do it. And two, Scott Boris. Yeah. Scott Boris is probably asking for way too much and is right. not relenting despite yeah. my guy won the Cy Young. The um what I found funny, the Houston Astros signed Jose Altuve to an extension yep. to where he'll probably retire with the an Houston Astro. Astros. And Scott Boris is Jose Altuve's agent. And afterwards, Scott Boris made sure to give a quote being like, yeah, Altuve's a special case because he didn't want to play anywhere else, and that was really what was important here. Like, made a point to be like, we didn't go to free agency with Altuve because he, he's special. He's different. Right. But all my other clients were going to free agency. Right. Here's the middle finger. <laughs> so, like, he made a point when his player signs early to say, that wasn't me, that was him. But every yeah, other guy this, is like... He told me this is where he wants right. to be. Everybody else is like, we're going to free agency. Right. We're going to be free agents when the season starts, baby. That's going to be great for us. I mean, season starts in a month. When did the Dodgers play in Korea? End of March, right? Yes. March 20-something? Yeah, and we hope it was like yesterday. Ah, calm down. Oh, my God. If I got to hear about this. 14-1. to 1. Bob Nightingale wrote a story that was like the <laughs> hype around the Dodgers has only increased after their spring training drubbing of the Padres. I'm like, it's spring training. 14-1. to 1. The Padres brought uh, in guys who didn't have names on the back of their jerseys to finish the first Well, inning. that was only because of Fanatics. <laughs> they had like 75 guys in the dugout. Yes. It was like, oh, the hyper. Don't decrease the importance of the win, Danny. Some, I found a clip, and I was going to use it as one of the rejoins for the baseball segment, and uh, someone said, oh, they have the whole club in the dugout, and the other guy said, no, I think they have the whole division in they the dugout. Did. 
Hey, all I know is knock Musgrove out in four batters. Who cares? Oh, it's beautiful. It's spring training. It's them. It's them. It's what does that mean? It's them. The Padres. Yeah, the Padres. it's spring it's training. Doesn't matter. Anytime. You don't even know who they brought in after Musgrove. I don't need to. He's their ace. Because the the best thing about spring training is when a starter gets knocked out mid inning, they bring in some nobody. Usually, because they have like, oh, you're going to pitch the third inning. Like they have it right, planned they have, out. They have a for their out. real pitchers. Yeah. So if you knock a guy out mid inning. You get some random nobody, and that's who the Dodgers torched yesterday. Was two random nobodies in the first inning. And over here, ah, look at us go. I'm, I gotta find this guy's name. We're gonna figure out who this is. Yeah, they crushed Carter Lowen, oh. who's listed on the Yahoo Sports app as a designated hitter. <laughs> he threw uh, he, a third of an inning and gave up four earned. And then don't worry, Gabe Mosser came in the game to clean up after him. These aren't play, even real people. You got to play against who you play against. It's spring training. <laughs> the hype around the Dodgers only gets bigger after they win a spring training Nightingale game. Nightingale loves the Dodgers. Unbelievable. Let's calm down. Uh-oh. Otani's taking batting practice again. <laughs> Better watch out. He might hit one to center field. Coming up next, we'll get into some UNLV basketballs. They take on Colorado State this weekend. Webster. Left side to Hicks. Brooklyn. Comes left side. Nice pass into Whaley. Whaley goes mm. with the right hand this time and lays it in. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios, this is the Press Box with Granny and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. We are giving away $2,024 every day here at Lotus, and all you got to do to enter to win is text us. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. We've got a new code word every day. So you got to get a new one. You can enter every single day between 7 and 5. All you got to do today is text BUGSY to 702-364-1100. B-U-G-S-Y, not busy, not buggy, BUGSY, B-U-G-S-Y to 702-364-1100. You do that, you're entered to win, and you could win $2,024. We're doing that every day. Uh, we're doing it for another 25 days. Uh, not including weekends. So that'll extend for quite a while that you'll have a shot here. Bugsy is the word today. B-U-G-S-Y. Send that to 702-364-1100. UNLV hosts Colorado State on Saturday. 5 o'clock start. Uh, finally, they don't play at 8 or 8.30. That's nice. Uh, Ken Palm projects Colorado State to win by 2. UNLV's got a 43% chance to win. What do you think happens in this one? They win. Why can they win this game? Because it's on the road for Colorado State, and it's hard to win on the road in the Mountain West. <laughs> they were up ten. They were up ten at Colorado State um, until Isaiah Stevens, I think, kind of took over. But um, I think they win. I think they they come back from the Air Force win, uh, coming off a nice win, and I think they get the victory. That was the intriguing part of the last game: is that UNLV Isaiah Stevens didn't do a whole lot until the final thirteen and a half minutes mm -hmm. to go, where UNLV had a ten point lead. And then Stevens in the final 14 minutes had 10 points and five assists. I think I, I think Colorado State only had, I think it was two possessions in the final 13 minutes where he did not have a point or an assist, and they scored. He basically decided, oh, I'm the best player on the floor. I'm I'm an act like we're going to go win the game, here. right? Um, UNLV, they're 126th in defensive efficiency. They're the seventh best defense in the Mountain West. They've been you know average across college basketball as a defensive team so far this year. That's been their biggest problems have been because their offense has been pretty good. 
I am curious what they do here. Luis Rodriguez is their primary perimeter defender that they like to put on um, the other team's best player. Luis Rodriguez has had some really good games defensively. He's had some other games where it's like, oh, what's going on there? So how good is he, but also how good is their help side defense? Because they like they're, they're usually pretty aggressive with help. Um, they'll give up some threes because of it, but they're usually pretty aggressive with help. And how do they handle Isaiah Stevens? Because they did a pretty good job of keeping him out of the game plan for 23 minutes or whatever that was, 27 minutes, and then he kind of took over and sometimes guys are good enough that it doesn't really matter what you're right. doing defensively. He's going to do that. Um, so I'm, that's, I think, maybe the biggest part of this game, uh, deciding who wins is how does UNLV defend Isaiah Stevens. Because I expect UNLV's offense to be good, right? Like Colorado State's a good defensive team, but I, UNLV's offense has been fine, good in most games. Right. They've had Obviously, they've had some bad ones, like the broken rims when they played St. Mary's. But for the most part, they've been good in – almost all their games offensively. So I think UNLV will score against Colorado State at a good enough level to win the game. It'll just be about can they slow down Isaiah Stevens right. enough to win. And this is where it's kind of like, I don't know. I mean, we've seen them play really well. We've seen them play really poorly, and I don't know if they do it or not. They've got the ability to, but they haven't shown it on a reg- uh, on a consistent enough basis to really say, yes, they will or no, they won't. Right. So we'll see. Three-point streak? Oh, that thing's going to keep going. You think so? Yeah, I think it's going to keep going. Especially so they'll make one at home. They've taken less than 15 threes in three of their last four games. When the last time they played Colorado State, they only took 15. Now, they made five of them in that game. The funny part about UNLV is that some of their best games offensively have been when they don't shoot a lot of threes. And it's because they get to the rim with no problem. Like they're the of those last four games, the three of them they've shot less than fifteen threes. They've won all three of them right. because offensively, yeah, we got to the rim, right? We can get inside and score at the rim, which is what this team wants to do more than shoot threes. And they should. They're if they can get to the rim, get to the rim. That's a great shot. But if they have a lot of success off, like that's going to be the funny part. If UNLV loses the streak, it's going to be in a game that they win. They're not going to lose the streak. They're not shooting many of these. I know. They're not going to lose. They're the they're cutting it close, closer than you'd expect in 2024. They're going to hit the first three within the first three minutes of the game. All right. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that, but I think they're going to. I think the streak is alive. I mean, the probability going into every game is like 99 percent that they hit a three. Yes. But I'm. I think it might be like 97 percent in some of these games. Because they they You're don't taking it down two percent. They don't like to shoot them that much, and when they have success, I it'll continue in this game. Because Colorado State's good enough defensively that they'll have there'll be enough possessions where UNLV doesn't get to the rim and right. they, they have to take they have three to take threes and they'll they'll make them. But I'm telling you, they play uh, you know Wyoming again. They do at Wyoming like that. That could be a game where if they're good, they just they just get to the rim, no problem. Like I'm telling it if it happens, it happens in a win. It happens in like a comfortable win where they're up ten the whole time, and they continue to go inside. Yeah, and it's just like ah, oh, we we haven't taken a three in like twelve minutes. Like, oh, we better take one. We were talking to Kevin Kruger last week about this. I don't know if Mike wrote about it. I know he was talking to him. Um, and he was. He said, you know, I apologize to all Rebel fans. I love Rebel fans, but <laughs> any coach in the world would take a win over that, which is true. Obviously, you would take a win over that. I wonder if there's still fans out there who care more about this record than, like, a win against Colorado State. Yes. Which I just 
find fascinating. We've talked about it before. The UNLV beating Colorado State on Saturday doesn't really matter. Like, it's not... I mean, it helps them more and more stay out of that uh, Wednesday game. Well, yeah. Like, it, it, it matters for the seeding in the Mountain West tournament. Right. But, like... If they beat Colorado State, that's not. It's not like this win puts them into the NCAA tournament. But right. who, other than people you know, even know about this record? Who cares? Every damn TV announcer says it. Well, they they're they ready to the, go. They read the notes. They they're ready to go. They read the but notes. But this is the one thing that I think people still can connect current teams to, the actual success of past teams with, and it's the I listen. I think it's kind of dumb, but. It's the one thing as a fan that you connect to. Okay, yeah, we we make a three in every single game. <laughs> Tark's teams did it. These teams do it. So I understand it to that degree. Uh, as dumb as it is, I just uh, think there's a chance they could win a game and oh, and not have one. We didn't take we didn't take a three for twelve minutes because we just took fifteen layups instead. That it could happen. I think the only win that UNLV fans would trade their three point streak for is a national championship. Outside of that. No. Oh, they, they, they the traded for a conference championship. No. This year, if you if right now, oh, conference title game this year. Oh, yes. To get to the NCAA oh, tournament. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They haven't been in a decade, Danny. I understand that. That program hasn't had success in a decade. You're breaking the streak. That. If you if the trade off is you beat San Diego State in the Mountain West title game, but you don't make a three. Oh, and then you go to the tournament and get blown Who out. Who cares? You're, you're in, in it. the tournament. Then morons like me don't get to run out and say you haven't made it in a decade oh that's an easy one that's an easy one absolutely you take that trade off now if you were like ah quarterfinal of the mountain west tournament then maybe you'd be like yeah who cares but the actual conference championship yeah 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 you're taking that one and by the way taking every win in the ncaa tournament too oh yeah you win an ncaa tournament game oh be huge kevin kruger's getting like a triple his salary if he wins an ncaa (laughs) tournament game so he's taking that, too. He hopes they never even shoot one. Um, one other thing on uh, UNLV Colorado State. Big game for conference standings. UNLV's 8-5. and five, Colorado State is 8-6. and six. Um, Ken Palm projects both to finish 11-7 and seven in Mountain West play. Projects Nevada to also finish 11-7, and seven, and those three would be tied, 5, 6, and 7 seeds uh, across the board there. A loss to Colorado State gives CSU the head-to-head tiebreaker over UNLV, which right. would not be good. But here's the fun thing. There is a real chance that the net rankings are used as a tiebreaker in the Mountain West. Well, right now that would not be good for UNLV. No, because they're behind all the top six teams. But Ken Palm Projections right now projects the winner of the Mountain West, Utah State, to finish 13-5 and five, and the seven seed to be 11-7. and seven. So we're talking two games between seven teams. Right. There's going to be some ties when we get yeah, to the end absolutely. of the season. Oh, no, right. it's impossible not to have it. The tiebreakers, the first one is head-to-head. So if you have two teams, like if UNLV finished tied with New Mexico, they'd be ahead of them, right? If there's three teams tied, it's still head-to-head in those three games. The second tiebreaker, though, you go to the top team in the conference, and how'd you perform against right, them? Right, right. And then on the way down. And then you work your way you down your until way you down. finally yes. break the tie. Not good for UNLV because they're 0-1 against Utah State and don't play them again. So they they'll lose that version of the tiebreaker if whoever they're tied with beat was one of the ones that Utah, beat Utah State. State. The third tiebreaker, if you're still tied after is that net. fun, is net ranking. God, I can't wait. Please, we just had the Mountain West football championship matchup decided by computers, BCS computers. God, please tell me we get like the one seed decided by net rankings 
It'll be so great if the Mountain West has back-to-back like championship deciders. Bizarre championship by computer deciders. rankings. Oh, it's gonna be great. Give me the net, baby. I'm excited for this. I hope. I it's hot. is it still possible? Can one through seven all finish tied? Can they all go twelve and six or something? I'd be so pumped. I don't know. They the way they play each other. I'm not so sure that. Could yeah, happen. probably not possible. But God, yeah. if I could get one through seven all at like eleven and seven or something like that, that'd be so. And much And it goes fun. right to the net. Oh, that'd be so much fun. Everybody's eleven like I said, and seven. It wouldn't be good for the Reds. No, they'd be seven. That would not be good. But that'd be so great if the net decided all of this. All right, coming up next, we're going to stick with Colorado State and UNLV as Kevin Little joins the show. Listening to the press box on ESPN Las Vegas. Joining us now from the Colorado, and it's Kevin Lytle. Good morning, Kevin. Thanks Kevin. for joining us. Morning, guys. Was the last four minutes of New Mexico Colorado State the best basketball you've ever seen? It was right up there. It, it was wild. It's kind of funny. The first, you know, 35 or so was you know, kind of a choppy grinder of a game. And then it just kind of exploded into, you know, an absolute classic finish, and especially that last minute. I think there's seven lead changes in the final minute, which is crazy. So super, super fun basketball game. Just like, a, you know, put that in the capsule of this Mountain West basketball season. I think one of the interesting things about the Mountain West this year is that because the teams have good net and Ken Palm rankings, a loss like that for Colorado State, it doesn't hurt very much in terms of their NCAA tournament because it's it's not a bad loss. And we're kind of seeing a lot of years where the Mountain West has had, uh, if you lose a game, it's usually a bad loss. Like, But you can lose that game, and uh, it doesn't really affect you a whole lot. So, yes, the games still matter who wins and loses, but it's a good thing for the conference because losing a game to another good team doesn't hurt you a whole lot. Yeah, exactly. And all these top teams, you know, beating each other up, like you say, in some years that could really drag, you know, down potential state chances, but they're all almost like beating each other's metrics to, and, and keeping them all high. So, yeah, I mean, for CSU, obviously it was a big missed opportunity to not win it, but for NCAA purposes, I mean, it doesn't hurt at all. You know, not only, you know, resume overall, but, you know, even seed line because New Mexico's you know, metrics and stuff are, are so high. So, uh, the league is just in a great, great shape as we, you know, inch toward March here. Could you actually see six teams going? I think it's possible. I mean, if I had the, uh, you know, bet guess right now, I'd probably just lean toward five, with, you know, to provide a little caution. Um, but six definitely seems possible. Um, that would be absolutely incredible for the league but even five i mean if it's five that that's a big success too so it's possible need the you know the right wins for the league in the last couple of weeks here um but you know if those couple teams you know like a boise state and especially i think nevada on the bubble um need to get a couple ones but it's feeling more possible than i i thought it would be is it possible that colorado state has a better seed in the ncaa tournament than in the mountain west tournament I think it's very possible. I mean, right now, uh, sitting at the seven in the Mountain West, you know, right, you know, most projections for the NCAA have them at six or seven. So it's possible they'd be a little better. Now, they should get some wins here late in the season and, you know, maybe push themselves up into, you know, like a five in the Mountain West, in which case that, you know, that probably wouldn't be. But it's kind of funny to think of that, of how do you get a better seed in the NCAA tournament than in your conference tournament. But, speaks to, I guess, some of the strength of the non-conference as well for CSU. The first matchup this year between UNLV and Colorado State, UNLV played pretty well, had a double-digit lead in the second half, and then 
to oversimplify it, it felt like the last 13 minutes or so, Isaiah Stevens just took over and just decided, hey, I'm the best player on the floor. Let's go win this game. Um, is that something that they can, I guess, rely on? Just say, hey, we can maybe coast a little bit and then, oh, Isaiah Stevens will turn it on? Or is that something that will get them in trouble? Yeah, I mean, I think that gets you in trouble if you're kind of just waiting, you know, everyone kind of doing the side eye at Isaiah of like, hey, man, you know, when are you going to get going? Um, that's dangerous. It did happen a bit at the pit the other night. He, again, kind of mid-second half just started taking over and really dragged CSU back into that game before that, you know, those crazy final you know, minutes. Um, but it's risky, too. I, I think ideally they would not like to have that. And um, it's going to be interesting to see how this matchup plays out. You know, it's, in a way, it's not that long ago, you know, just a month. But in a lot of ways, it feels like a long time ago. CSU was in a pretty bad slump at the time, um, and that was kind of an important grinder victory for the Rams to, to pull that out. Uh, they're playing, frankly, in some ways fairly different than they were at that point. Uh, so, yeah, I think CSU will want to avoid the, you know, hey, Isaiah, go win it. Although, anyone that remembers the game in Vegas last year, that's exactly what he did with a bunch of crazy shots at the end, yes. the crazy one to send right. to overtime and, and to win it there. So maybe that is the plan. You know, maybe, maybe I'm sitting here saying, you know, no, you can't do that when really maybe it will just be, Hey, number four, go do, go do everything. Talk about the maturation and the improvement of Clifford. Yeah. He's a guy, you know, at Colorado was, I don't want to say just role player cause he started a lot, but you know, wasn't a focal point of the offense um, was somewhat limited in, in what he could do. Uh, they're a pretty defensive system that doesn't necessarily have guys shining offensively and just perfect fit at Colorado State. Um, and, and this kind of heavy motion offense gets to do a lot of things. Obviously, he has a good point guard with him, which doesn't hurt. Um, and the scoring is important. And, you know, he had a bad night scoring against New Mexico. And you wonder, you know, if he had been even, you know, close to his averages, what that game would have looked like. But overall, he's been really steady. He does a lot more. You know, he's, defensively versatile he can cover a lot of different positions and he's a very aggressive rebounder you know he's you know he's not crazy tall six six he's you know he's wiry not one of these you know super big guys but he's really aggressive and attacking the glass he has huge bounce so he can he can rise up and and get some of those tough rebounds uh but yeah he's been an absolutely perfect fit for this csu team and in a lot of ways changed uh the scope of what they can do because he provided you know, that wing athleticism played that CSU hadn't had at that level. Uh, Nico Medved has had good offenses basically every year that he's been at Colorado State, but this is, I believe, the best defensive team they've had since he's been there. Yeah. What's What's been different? Why have they been so good defensively this year? Yeah, it's been a big jump. Um, two years ago, the David Roddy team that went to the NCAA tournament was, you know, okay defensively. I think they're like 72 in Kim Palm was their best, you know, so not horrible mark by any means, but also not elite. And that's where it had been a lot of this season over the last month or so. Um, that's why like I mentioned they, they're playing a lot different. It's really surged. I haven't looked this morning, but it's been sitting at about 30 in Ken Palm defensive efficiency, easy for me to say, um, which is the best, you know, in the Ken Palm era for CSU. I think Clifford is part of that. They have depth of kind of versatile wing guys in, in Clifford, Josiah Strong, Jalen Lake, that can defend a lot of different positions and do, you know, you can do different things with them. And then Joel Scott and especially Patrick Cartier, you know, 
inside have been good. Cartier, um, you know, I don't think anyone's going to, you know, be confused with him as, you know, an elite rim protector guy, but he's, you know, transitioned his game or improved his game from, you know, frankly, kind of a defensive liability to he can really battle inside. Again, he's, you know, he's not Nathan Minsa, uh, but he holds his own. And with the other pieces, that's been really important. So they're just a versatile group there. And um, some of it is just, you know, the cliche buy-in or whatever you want to call it of they're really committed to defending really well for 40 minutes. And it's, um, like I say, I think it's kind of changed the scope of this team and you know, potentially what they might be able to do in March. I want to change gears here for just a second. I'm interested in this in terms of has the positive thoughts off Jay Norvell come off him? Um, it's, you know, the shine has maybe come off a little bit. I think broadly, you know, obviously football fans, you can get a whole scope of different viewpoints, but broadly, I would say CSU fans are still optimistic that he'll be the guy to turn it around some, but there's certainly disappointment that, you know, in, in you know, year two, it was still, you know, a five win and not a bowl team. So the optimism is certainly more cautious than it was two years ago when he was hired. I think overall, um, it's still a, a positive vibe with, you know, those elements of kind of pressure uh, for, for year three here in 24, is if that he, makes sense. Is he going to be in some trouble given that there will be a new athletic director that did not hire him in charge? I don't think so yet. Um, you, you know, year three was going to, or, you know, would be important no matter what to show, you know, real improvement in the win column. But first off, I'm not sure Colorado State could afford to fire him if they wanted to after <laughs> year three. But two, everything I hear and see is that the president, Amy Parsons, who's you know, leading these changes, um, is a fan of Jay Norvell um, and believes in, in him you know, being able to turn this program around. Now, again, winning is always the answer. If if he were to go two and ten this year, that pressure would really ramp up. But I don't think he's in any imminent threat. Um, it, to me, the formula hasn't changed. He he needs to make a bowl this year uh, to ease some of that pressure. And I said that before Joe Parker is fired, and and I feel it's the same now. Well, he is Kevin Lytle from the Colorado and covering Colorado State. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having me. So there's Kevin Lytle on CSU. UNLV takes on on Saturday. I didn't realize this. Colorado State football, they haven't been to a bowl game in six years. That's surprising. I, They had gone, they had been a solid program in the Mountain West for a long time. They had gone five straight yeah. years before that. Uh, but it's been seven since they, or That's excuse me, surprising. six since they went to the last bowl game. And here's the other thing. The, the three years prior to that, they went seven and six all three years. They have not been that good. Like they're last, I thought they were better than that in the Mountain West. Yeah, the For last, a long time, I thought they were really solid. I, they, they've been tricking people because I thought the same thing. If you would have asked me just blindly, like, ah, where's Colorado State football been? I'd have been like, ah, they're one of the – they're like the third Yeah, they've had a few program. down years, but then they're a good program. But no, they kind of suck. Like Six the, years? Last, the last nine years, their best uh, record is seven and six. Wow. I'm surprised at that. Yeah. I mean, 10 years ago in 2014, they had a 10 and 3 season. Right. But that was Jim McElwain. He left to um, Florida. Florida. And since then, they've had some 7 and 6 years, and that's been it. So 
What's going on? They got the brand new stadium on campus. Well, it's not brand new right now, but it, it came up pretty pretty recently. Yeah, those don't help though. We've been over this. I've I know. We've, I know. Enough. I know. They're I know, they're a I perfect example. You build a new stadium, thoughts. it doesn't help. Colorado State brand new stadium doesn't help. Get a good coach. That's what helps. So you know he did, supposedly. He had a pretty good season. Yeah, he did. Is Jay Norvell a good coach? By the way, I don't know. I that that guy. He he comes to Colorado State. He brings all his Reno kids. They don't win. Yeah. And like, he he won a little at Reno. Yeah, he, he went to four bowls. His uh, records at Nevada: three and nine in the first year, eight and five, seven and six, seven and two in the COVID year, eight and four. So not bad, solid. Yeah. Then left and went to Colorado State, where he's three like, and nine, and, and five, and, five seven. and seven. So, eh. Yeah. Like it's, it's fine. Like yeah, I you know. You, I guess Colorado State would take eight win, seven wins because they don't get that very right. often. But, yeah, Colorado State, a bunch of bums there. All right, we got tickets to give away if you want to go see some college baseball out of Las Vegas Ballpark March 1st through the 3rd. We've got tickets for you. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. Caller number six at 702-364-1100. You're going to win a pair of tickets to go see some college baseball. We've got Oklahoma, Cal, Ohio State, and Pitt out at Las Vegas Ballpark March 1st through the 3rd. 702-364-1100. Caller six is going to see some college baseball. You gonna yell at Dave Roberts for anything? Being a bad golfer? Okay, I don't know. You were yelling at him. Why is he golfing? Start studying the lineup. <laughs> I don't know. You could have yelled at him for something. No, I mean he's hanging out with guys in the office. So I give him credit. Okay, give him a golf clap for that. All right. I don't know. You you didn't want the Chiefs playing golf during the Super Bowl week. Well, so. I mean, if it was the World Series and he was on the golf course, I'd have a problem with it. I mean, he should be. I'd have a big problem with it. Nah, I'd be fine. Going over, you need to be going over lineups, tendencies. Nah, there's nothing to do once you get Pitches. to the World Series. There's nothing to do once you get to the World Series. Scouting. Nah, you got you got all that's done. You just show up, make the Me decisions. With your scouts, get in there, make the decisions. Um, Danny, how disappointed are you that the Nationals are no longer for sale? Pretty disappointed. So last year in April, uh, Mark Lerner, the Lerner family owns the Nationals. Uh, they said that the Nationals were for sale. Mark Lerner earlier this week told reporters the team is no longer for sale. So the Lerner family is going to continue to own the Nationals. Devastating. Yeah, yeah. They don't. Uh, they don't spend money. We'll never get high-profile people. Why? Why is this? Uh, this has happened a couple times now. Artie Moreno did this with the Angels, where we have had owners of teams say, "Ah, oh, my team's for sale." Right. And then a couple then months, a few months, almost back a year out. later, they come and say, "Ah, I'm keeping them." Right. What's going on there? They think their team's worth more, and then they don't get Not the right offers. offers. Is that Not what's happening the there? People? I can't imagine Ted Leonsis didn't give what the Lerner family was asking for. Did he want it? He's a, for everybody to know. He owns the um, all the other sports teams. Yes, the, I'm blanking on In every DC, single team. The Capitals, the Wizards, yes, all the of Mystics, them. Yes. And he owns Monumental Sports and all that. And he was the guy that was going to be purchasing the team. That's like, and he that's reported that he wanted to buy the, yep. the Nationals. Yep. Ted Leonis is doing well for himself. Must be. Jeez. He's buying that private plane from Denver to yeah, Serbia. To absolutely. He's got a fleet of them. Yeah, that guy has multiple planes. Man. Why Why are there so many cheap owners in baseball? I don't know. It's sad. It is. Like, that is, if you're, if you're a fan of a baseball team, really any pro sports teams, but baseball because there's no salary cap, one of the best things that can happen to your team is the owner sells it. To somebody yeah. that wants to spend money. Like, mm -hmm. I know the Mets haven't been 
good the last couple of years. Well, they didn't make the playoffs, but I know the Mets, have, they were a failure last year. But one of the best things that can happen is a rich guy who doesn't care about losing money right. buys, buys your baseball your team, team. And just spends... Yes. Judicially. I mean, right. Non-judicially. I mean, just spends as much as he wants. Right. It, the Mets, even though it was a disaster, the Mets last year traded away Justin Verlander and they got two better prospects than they normally would have gotten because the owner agreed to pay right. the majority of Justin of, of Verlander's salary, salary yeah. when he went to another team. Yeah. That's phenomenal because that's that doesn't happen unless your owner's just willing to throw money away. So poor Nationals don't have a good owner, and now they're not going to sell the team. Nope. It's too bad. Are you more upset about that or you're missing coffee earlier this week? Probably more upset about the Nationals. We never got an update. Was did you get your extra coffee? I did not. Um, what is what? going on? I haven't seen her yet today to talk to her. But I saw Steph today. Every time I walk in this hallway behind our studios, she the on-air light is on, so I haven't gotten a chance to talk to her. What? All right, I'll do this quickly. Danny earlier this week, his coffee got thrown away because Steph on the our sister station was throwing was cleaning out the fridge for some reason threw danny's whole coffee away um she said told danny that she was gonna buy him a replacement yesterday you told us she was buying you one yesterday she told me before the show i'll have it to you after my show is over you know why she doesn't live by duncan she doesn't live anywhere near one man i I don't think danny's getting his coffee i don't think you are either i think Uh you, you just forget that we'll see what happens oh i don't forget a thrown away coffee ed (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'll bring it up all the time. You'll keep telling her about it? Oh, yeah. I'll be like, oh, remember that one coffee that was in the fridge? Boy, I miss that one. <laughs>